This is Carte Blanche, the podcast. One story every day that matters. Delve into the issues that impact you. Whether you're in need of a better understanding of the world around you or simply seeking inspiration or unique perspectives, you'll find it all here. A six-month-long investigation into fraud and corruption allegations at Gauteng's Tembisa Hospital reveals the startling reasons behind whistleblower Babita Diokran's brutal murder. As investigative journalists traveled from one location to the next, it soon became clear that the companies involved in this multi-million rand sham never even existed. So why didn't authorities act on Diokran's concerns? And why didn't she receive the protection that she so clearly needed? Nine shots in broad daylight. Babita Diokaran stood no chance. She red flagged procurement irregularities at the Gauteng Department of Health, and within three weeks, she was murdered. The risks of speaking out and exposing deep-rooted corruption are clear. But when threats turn into actions, the consequences can be severe. Because those at risk of being exposed want whistleblowers silenced. As the Chief Director for Finance at Gauteng's Department of Health, Babita Diokaran was a critical witness in corruption investigations for more than a decade. It is so fresh in our memories. The hurt and the pain that we felt then as a family, we feel, still feel that now a year gone on. Three days after being gunned down, six hitmen were arrested. But on the anniversary of her death, as family, friends and civic justice organizations gathered to celebrate Babita Diokaran's life, there are still many unanswered questions around her murder. Tony Hariprasad is the family spokesperson. She didn't tell us in details what she was really involved in or what she really faced, you know. We saw that she was tense. She kept that away from us. Work had to be work and family was family. A year later, and we still don't know who the paymasters behind her hit were, but retracing her last steps before her murder, you quickly realize there were 850 million reasons for Babita Diokaran to die. Three weeks before Diokaran's assassination, she filed a report on Timbisa Hospital in Gauteng, flagging 1,203 purchase orders, all coming in under 500,000 rand. It totaled 850 million rand in possibly fraudulent transactions that were submitted in just four months. What it appears to be on the face of it is an extraction network, money flying out of that hospital at a rate of knots. Over the last six months, a News24 team led by investigative journalist Jeff Wicks waded through over 60,000 of Diokaran's emails and cell phone data, getting a vivid view of the last month of her life. So I've never worked on a project of this scale before. Everything from Google searches to who she was talking to. This was her final graft investigation. Twelve days before she was taken out, Diokaran sent the following message to her boss, Gauteng Health Department CFO, Larato Majo. I'm just worried that the guys in Tembisa are going to realize we are not releasing their payments. Our lives could be in danger. 
Majo indicated the report was escalated to the head of department, but that never happened. So your investigation proves that the CFO lied. We questioned the then HOD, and she categorically denies that uh, Lorato Maggio ever formally escalated the report or Babita's concerns about her safety. In fact, the first time she learned about Babita's safety concerns was on the day of her death. Diokaran lived her last days with a false sense of security. It hurts us to know that our loved one died believing that there was safety and protection and something happening to take care of her. Majo declined our request for an interview. She referred us to the Gauteng Department of Health that in turn replied in writing, stating they are finalizing the appointment of an independent forensic investigator, taking internal steps to address the flagged issues and promised decisive action will be taken. But this only comes now a year later, in the wake of the News 24 series. Alex van den Heerfer is from Witts University School of Governance. He is clear there needs to be criminal consequences and a forensic investigation is not the answer. It's basically not a police investigation. Any reasonable supply chain management structure would pick this up. And that suggests that basically everybody within the system is either too scared or they are complicit. Diokaran flagged 217 businesses before her investigation was brutally cut short. Picking up where she left off, Wick scrutinized at least 45 of those. Many are nothing more than paper companies seemingly geared to extract money through government contracts. The team covered thousands of kilometers across the province in search of these companies and possibly some answers. We've traveled to townships, to upmarket areas where these businesses are supposedly located, and we haven't been able to find a single office. If someone had only looked when she warned them, they would have found the same thing. We took a drive to one of these so-called companies in the small town of Nigel, south of Johannesburg. So this is the supposed business address of one of the companies that build millions of rand through contacts from Tembisa Hospital. This company built millions of rands. That's, uh, that's what they'd have us believe. I mean, if, if you look at the CIPC data, this address is active. And in theory, a company that sells and stocks medical supplies should operate from here. But the reality is somewhat different. The company is Avigis and its director is Avikash Signerian. He controls five companies that scooped more than 17 million rand from just 39 separate transactions. With due diligence seemingly lacking in government procurement, paper companies have coined millions of rands only for directors to then conveniently disappear without a trace. We tried contacting Signarian, but he appears to have dropped off the radar. The number you have dialed, the number you have dialed, the number you have dialed does not exist. Please redial carefully. And that's the thing about paper companies. They disappear as quickly as they were formed. I'm at the point where I don't expect to find anything. Um, but I think it's important for us to really see this through to the end and uh, we've got no intention of stopping. Wix has uncovered blatant, brazen graft at Tembisa Hospital with orders pushed through for anything from medical supplies to wing-back leather chairs and even skinny jeans. Although, government claims that was a typo. 
The payments get even more suspicious when you realize that the transactions flagged by Diokuran all come in under 500,000 Rand. And that's a red flag because any amount above that requires a much more rigorous procurement process. Below 500,000 Rand um, is within the CEO's delegation of authority. Diokuran sitting at a central level within the department was able to pick this up, but somehow the hospital wasn't. It's very easy to pick up the patents because you'll have one individual who's a director of five companies. She could never have known that at the time because she didn't have the space and the opportunity to investigate further before she was murdered. She was silenced. She's been silenced for a year and it's only on the back of our reporting that something seems to be being done about this. Of the 217 companies flagged by Diokaran, Kazan Projects was one of the first she identified. It's owned by Siloso Koko. He is the recently elected Treasurer General of the ANC in Ekuruleni. Wicks discovered that he also owns two other companies, Nokokoko and Bolanoto Security and Projects. All three businesses supplied Timbisa Hospital at the same time. For the record, as it stands, Sokoko is not a murder suspect, and he insists there's nothing dodgy about his companies. He's been doing business with government departments for years and has no idea why his companies were flagged. None of your purchase orders exceed 500,000 Rand. Some may call that suspicious. Is that a coincidence? It's up to supply chain in the institution to either reject or go with us. I can't, I can't say because of it's less than 500, then maybe there's a suspicion that I was doing wrong things. Sokoko claims he's just like any other person submitting quotes and doesn't know either the provincial CFO, Lerato Majo, or the hospital CEO, Dr. Ashley Mtunzi. You're the Treasurer General of the ANC in Ekurleni. That comes with power, it comes with influence, and it comes with connections. I dispute the fact that the person is connected because he's the Treasurer of the ANC. Really? No, it doesn't come with power. It doesn't come with influence. No. It doesn't come with connections. So it just it just comes with responsibility that I'm given by the ANC uh, comrades or ANC members in Ekurulen. But against the backdrop of state capture, it's hard to accept that answer. We were told that it was a coincidence that all his invoices were under 500,000 rand. Yeah, it's not a coincidence. I mean, statistically, that's not what would happen. The first and foremost is why is the hospital permitting them? Questionable pricing is also an instant red flag. Sokoko quoted 3,900 rand for a single head block and 2,106 rand for a cervical collar. A quick costing exercise revealed shocking pricing discrepancies on these pharmaceutical supplies. A head block goes for 814 rand and 20 cents, while a top-of-the-range cervical collar is 147 rand and 80 cents. We put our findings to Sokoko. No, you see, you are an asset, and I think I need to have your contacts so that next time I do an invoice, I mean, I do a quote, I say to you, I need one, two, three, can you get it for me? We are not getting these products. And if we are not getting these products, what must we do? We have not overcharged. You have? No, we haven't. Interestingly, Tembisa Hospital CEO, Dr. Ashlim Tunzi signed off on most of the suspicious invoices. Can the Tembisa Hospital CEO perhaps claim ignorance? 
that would be equally as damaging for him because this expenditure, according to our evidence, happened under his watch. So at best, he's incompetent and at worst, he's culpable. While Dr. Mtunzi declined an interview, he was suspended alongside provincial CFO Lerato Maggio last week as a special investigating unit moves forward with the case, a move that's long overdue. Babita Diokran did everything right. She picked up an anomaly, she reported it, and she expected that something would be done. In fact, nothing was done, and she was murdered. And that's the great tragedy of the story. Seeing wrongdoing and looking the other way was never in Babita Diokran's nature. She died doing her job with integrity and diligently. She stood for the truth, and she would not compromise. Our entire lives have been shaken and changed. We'll never be the same again because she is no more. So whilst we are paying the price as a family, the mastermind out there is still at large. Arresting the alleged hitman is simply not good enough. Province, another five can be hired for the next whistleblower. The end game for um, these hospitals in this investigation is that the key public sector people, people in public office, responsible for this network need to go to jail. But that would be up to the authorities. At the end of the day, we're journalists. We come into information, we verify it and we publish it. We're not the SIU or the police. And we're just making sure that everything that had been kept in the shadows is now on the light. Babita Diokaran remains steadfast in her mission to expose rampant fraud and corruption. May her sacrifice eventually shine a light on the truth and not be in vain. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to ensure you don't miss a single episode. In the meantime, why not rate and review us? We love getting your feedback.